All right, well today, actually, I'm going to be teaching a, a Christmas message. Actually, next Sunday, as we get a little bit closer to Christmas, uh, we're in a series right now called Generosity. Uh, if you're new to the church, I like to do um, series just because we can spend a little bit more time on it and not try to do it all in one sermon, but kind of spread it out over two or three weeks. And I just felt a couple of weeks ago that it was necessary that, that with Thanksgiving upon us and then Christmas upon us, that we would just take a little bit of time and talk about generosity as we're all, hopefully all of us are, are in the, uh, the mood right now of giving, wanting to give our children gifts for Christmas, wanting to give our husbands really nice gifts for Christmas, um, our dad's really nice gifts for Christmas. <clears throat> um, no one in mind as I say that, but, um, but as we're in the spirit of generosity, I think it would be great to look at what God's Word has to say about generosity, because how many of us know that we serve a God who is extremely generous? As a matter of fact, probably the most well-known Scripture throughout all of the Bible is John 3.16 that tells us that God so loved the world that He, he gave. His one and only Son. And He gave us the precious gift of Jesus Christ so that all of us, if we would believe upon Him, and not just believe upon Him as we would in, in, in Santa or someone else, but believe upon Him as in accepting the price that He's paid for us at the cross, believing that He is our Savior, trusting in Him with our eternal security, asking Him to forgive us of our sins. That's what it means to believe. And if we do that, we can have eternal life. Um, today we're in week number three. Uh, in the first week, we just looked at how that, that God wants us to be generous and how we're to reciprocate that. And we looked at what it means to have a heart of generosity. Last week, we looked at the fact of how God blesses generous people. It's what the Bible teaches us, that, that God loves everyone equally, but He doesn't bless everyone equally. He blesses people who are generous because He wants them to be conduits that He can give to, that they can give to others. And that's how He ministers to the needs of the world. Today I want to talk a little bit about greed. And how, what specifically the Bible has to say about greed. What Jesus has to say about greed. And then, uh, more importantly than that, how we overcome greed with generosity. Now, Greed is one of those things that as I mention it, you may think that, well, I'm not a greedy person. This message is not going to be for me. But there's two things I would say to that. Number one, greed is more than just wanting more money or wanting more possessions. As we're going to learn today, greed takes on many forms and shows up in different ways. The second thing I would say about if you think that this message is not for me, you probably know someone who is greedy. Now don't look at them if they're in the room or if they're sitting next to you. But, but, but this is something that, that you can have, that you can be able to help other people. But, but I'm just here to tell you, I'm not a betting person. But if I were a betting person, I would say that the majority of us, including every child in this building today, the majority of us struggle with greed in some shape form, or, or fashion. It's just because it's something that is spread out over many areas and we all struggle with it. For, for example, um, sometimes greed shows up in, in wanting more power, wanting more control, wanting more fame. We see this a lot in politics. We see this a lot in Hollywood. We see this a lot on social media. People are greedy for more likes, uh, more shares, more comments. They're just, they're always wanting more. Another form of, of, of being greedy is um, uh, being stingy, not wanting to share. That's a type of greed. Um, here's one I was thinking about. Um, 
I don't know how many of you have done this before, but this is something that when I'm teaching on something, I think the Holy Spirit will convict me and show me uh, areas that I've been greedy before. For example, if I were to ever go get lunch and say if I'm working with two or three guys and, and they say, hey, while you're at, we'll just say Chick-fil-A, while you're at Chick-fil-A, would you pick me up you know, a number one combo? And maybe there's two or three of them that, that will say that, hey, I want a number one, so-and-so wants number three, whatever. So you're going to get not only your lunch, but you're going to get two or three other people's lunch. So you go through the drive-thru, and on the way back, you've got this big old sack. Some of y'all know where I'm going with this. You've got this big old sack of food, and you've got about three or four orders of waffle fries. And you, you're hungry. I mean, you're smelling this. So what do you do? You, you reach in the bag, and you just start eating some waffle fries, right? And you take one from almost every <laughs> container. Or if you're really greedy, you take one from all the other containers, except the one that you're going to eat from. And then when you get back to the construction site or you get back to work or whatever, you begin to distribute the combos and you make sure that you give them the french fries that you have already eaten out of. And you make sure that you keep the one that still has the original amount of fries in it. How many ever would just, you know, confession's good for the soul. How many would say I've done that before? Okay, all right. See, that's a, that's a type of, that's, whether we realize it or not, that's a type of greed. We, we always want more. Kids are really bad about this. You know, if you, if you have two kids and, and you bring home two cookies, but you, but you haven't had a chance to tell them about the cookies, so you just set them down on the counter and you, you, know, you run off to the, the bathroom or you run off to the bedroom or something, and the first sibling that finds those, they're probably going to eat both of them. Just because maybe they take a bite of one and it's so good, they're like, yeah, you know, my brother, he doesn't even know that mom brought cookies home, so I'll just, I'll just eat it. You know what? That, that's a type of greed. We see this at potlucks. We see this at, at um, family gatherings when kids go through the line. And it's not just kids, but, but kids, I mean, they'll load up their plate with food, overload their, you know, their stomachs. They'll just pile on it. They, could care, they couldn't care less about how many, that there's 59 people behind them. You know, and they just, they just get as much as they want. And then they end up not eating, you know, hardly any of it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. This is, this is, these are all types of greed that, um, that, that people struggle with in, in different areas. They're, they're people who try to take credit for things that they had no part in. Um, or if they did have a part in it, it was a very little role, but yet they want to take credit for the whole job or the whole, uh, you know, the whole... Um, um, assignment, getting that accomplished, and that's a type of greed. Gluttony. <laughs> I know this one was, I'm just, I'm just going to mention this, one, okay, but, but gluttony is a type of greed as well, to where we always want more, always wanting more. Hoarding. If you're a hoarder, that's a type of greed. Never wanting to let go of things and always wanting more. That's a type of greed. My point this morning is greed is more than just a desire for more money or more possessions. That it shows up in many forms. And the way that we overcome that is through generosity. So I want to I share with you this morning what the Bible has to say about greed, specifically what Jesus himself has to say about greed and how that we overcome that. So if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Luke chapter number 12. That is in the New Testament. It's the third book in Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter number 12. We're going to begin reading in verse number 13. 
And we're going to go all the way to verse 21, but I'm going to, I'm going to take some time in between um, some of these verses and kind of explain some things that are going on. First of all, the context here is Jesus is teaching. The Bible says that thousands of people had gathered, gathered around Jesus to hear Him teach. So Jesus has this great crowd of people and He's teaching them. And uh, they're, they're learning some of the, the principal things that He's trying to uh, teach, that He wants communicated, that He wants them to know. And out of the blue, the Bible says in verse number 13, that someone called from the crowd and said, Teacher... Please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Now, uh, let me kind of set this up a little bit. First of all, it's interesting. It says, then someone called from the crowd. Jesus wasn't even teaching about inheritance. Jesus was talking about love. He was talking about hypocrisy. He was talking about forgiveness. When out of the blue, someone chimes in and says, hey, tell my brother that he needs to share the inheritance. Now, if you, if you don't know a whole lot about Jewish custom here, and the Bible doesn't go into a great detail here, but my guess is that this was one of the, young, one of the younger sons of a, of, a, of a family of maybe two or three siblings. We don't know that, but it had to be one of the younger ones because the Jewish custom was that the firstborn would receive a double portion of the father's inheritance. For example, if there were, if there were two siblings, two children, and, and let's say that the father was going to pass down, let's just say $75,000. Um, the younger would receive $25,000. Is that right? Yeah, the second one, or the, the, the firstborn would receive $50,000. So that's the $75,000. The older one, the firstborn, always got the double blessing. He always got twice as much as the others. Now, that doesn't seem fair, does it? <laughs> all of the younger ones are saying no. The firstborns are saying yes, that's, that's fair. So, so we see this, this man, he chimes in. He, obviously, he was one of the younger ones. So he says, out of the blue, remember, Jesus is not even teaching on this. And he says, hey, tell my brother that he needs to share my father's estate. Tell him he needs to divide this equally. Now watch what Jesus says. Verse number 14, Jesus replied, friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, watch this, beware, guard against every kind of greed. That if you mark in your Bibles, you should underline the phrase every kind of greed. I told you that greed takes many forms. It's not just about money. It's not just about possessions. It's other things about being stingy. It's about wanting more power, more fame. It's gluttony. It's, it's not sharing. It's, it's all of these things. Jesus says, guard against every kind of greed. And then he says this, and this is a great principle to live by and to know, that life is not measured by how much that you own. Life is not measured by how much that you own. You know, a lot of times it's very easy for us to make life all about possessions and money, that we want a bigger house, we want a nicer car, we want... Uh, you know, promotions, we want the finest clothes, we want all these things. And, and it's not necessarily that those things are bad in and of themselves, but that's not what makes life count. That's not where we get our value. That's not where 
uh, we get our, our classification. And, and we're bad about that. We classify people, right? We classify people because they live in a certain, certain neighborhood or they make a certain income or they work at a certain plant or a certain factory. We classify people based off of what we think that their value is, uh, which is determined a lot of times by what we think their salary is or how much money that they make. We have the tendency to classify them. and We have the tendency to think that they're worth more or they're more valuable, they're better than us because they make more money or they have more stuff. But Jesus is specifically saying here, and He's telling us that life is not measured by how much that you have or how much that you own, even if you have a lot. Some translations go on to add that in. It, even if you have a lot. That it's not about the things that we have. And, and many times we can spend our whole lives chasing bigger things. Wanting more stuff. Wanting, wanting a, a, a better lifestyle. Wanting more money. Wanting a bigger house. Wanting nicer clothes. Wanting a better vacation. We can spend our whole lives chasing after those things. But yet Jesus is reminding us here that, that, that life is not about the things that you have. It's not measured by what you own. What happens is, is that when we begin to focus on more stuff, we lose focus on people. And we lose focus on God's kingdom. Because now it's about us and about the things that we want. So Jesus says there, guard against every kind of greed. Verse number 16. Then Jesus tells him this story. He says, a rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room enough for all my crops. Then he said, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'm going to build bigger ones. Then I'll have room to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend... You have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Now remember the question is, teacher, tell my brother to divide the father's estate. Tell him to, to share the inheritance. And Jesus is trying to teach him something. Listen, it's, life is not measured by what you own. In fact, let me tell you a story. And then Jesus begins to tell him this parable uh, of the rich fool. About how this guy, he was a, he was a farmer. He had sowed seed and, and uh, he had planted some crops. And he had a great harvest. I mean, he had more, uh, more crop this year than he had probably ever had before. And his first thought was, what am I going to do with all of this stuff? I don't have enough room to store all of these crops. I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my smaller barns that can't hold all of these crops, and I'll build bigger barns that can hold it all. His first intention, his first notion, his first instinct was to store all of that extra stuff for himself. It was to keep all of the income. It was to keep all of the increase. It was to keep all of the crop for himself and for himself alone. Now, I know it would, be, it would be easy for us to quickly judge him. To think, man, how, why, would, why would he not share? Why would he not help those in need? Why, I mean, he's got plenty. Why would he want to His barns are already big enough. Why would he want to build a bigger barn? 
Why don't he begin to, why don't he help other people? Why don't he give to those that are, uh, that are in need? Why doesn't he maybe give to the, the kingdom of God and, and help people? Why doesn't he help, you know, dig wells and do things for people that are impoverished? Why doesn't he help? And it's quick for us to pass judgment on him but when we see this story. But to be honest with you, for a lot of us, this is our first notion as well. It's to keep everything that we get just for ourselves. Many Bible commentaries, they, will, um, they, they call this, it's kind of interesting, it's kind of funny actually, they call this bigger barn syndrome. To where... Uh, when, when, as soon as we get something, we, we look to see how we can utilize all of that for ourselves. We have this me-first mentality. We don't think about giving to God. We don't think about furthering His kingdom. We don't think about how we could use that extra to help other people. And Jesus has given us a classic example here of someone who is struggling with this bigger barn syndrome. They have more than they could, could possibly store. And so instead of helping someone else, they want to build a bigger barn. As I was preparing for this, and some of you are probably going to, you know, you're going to hate me for using this illustration, but I couldn't help think about the classic all-time greatest film, Dumb and Dumber. Um, <laughs> Not, not the second two, that, those were kind of really dumb, but the, the first one, the classic. And I'm not going to ask you how many have seen that movie, but there, there's a scene that comes to mind, and there, there are two guys, Harry and Lloyd, and I don't remember which one was which, but that's irrelevant. And they had broken down in the Rocky Mountains, and they're, they're kind of stranded, and they're in the middle of winter, in the middle of the Rocky Mountains, and they're freezing to death, and they're, they're standing around a fire, and and uh, I believe it's, it's, it's Harry. He doesn't have any gloves on, and Lloyd has some gloves on, and Harry's over there trying to get his hands warm by the fire. And he says this. He says, I can't hardly feel my fingers. My hands are frozen solid. And Lloyd's over there, and he says, well, here, why don't you have one of my pair of gloves? I have on two pair. My hands are sweating. You can have one of mine. And, and Harry makes the comment. He says, you mean to tell me that I'm over here freezing and you've had an extra pair of glove on, gloves on the entire time? And Lloyd says, well, yeah, we're in the Rocky Mountains, you idiot. <laughs> and Harry makes the comment, I'm going to kill you. If you remember the scene, and he goes and he, he grabs him by the neck to start strangling. And Lloyd's like, stop, your hands are freezing. <laughs> I don't know how many of you have seen that. But um, anyway, I couldn't help but to, to think about this example as I was thinking about this. This is the way we are. We have, here Lloyd was, he has extra. His friend is in dire need. He doesn't have any. He's freezing and Lloyd has extra and he's not willing to share. I think that's how a lot of times that we are. When we, we have things, when we get increase, when we get wealth, when we get income, our first notion is to spend it on ourselves. But yet Jesus is trying to teach us that He wants us to be generous people. Just as He's been generous to us and has given to us, He wants us to be generous to help other people. To show people His love. To show people His goodness. To show people His grace. And one of the ways we do that is by being generous. Uh, many times we don't build bigger barns, but we, uh, uh, we rent out mini storage um, to put our stuff in. And, and I, I've taught on this before. I'm not against mini storage, okay? Sometimes we need that if you're in the process of, of building a house or, or you, know, you need to store something for a while. But I don't think mini storage was ever intended to be permanent. And I think a lot of times we have things in mini storage and it's probably only worth like $10, but we're paying $30 a month to store it for three or four years. And 
Uh, my point is, is that we, have, we don't build bigger barns, but we put things in storage that we won't use for like 10 or 12 years. And it could, be, it could be utilized to bless other people, to help other people who are in need. That's the bigger barn syndrome. Because our fear is we might need that one day. You know, we haven't needed it the last 25 years, but, but we might need it one day. Or, or we, we, we store things, put things aside. Maybe we just, just keep throwing money in, in savings. And we should, be, we should be wise. We should have savings. The Bible teaches us about that. The Bible tells us to take note of the ant and watch how it works all summer to store up food for winter. We should have money in savings. But there comes a point where we're, we're not thinking about other people. We're just putting things aside for ourselves. And our fear is, what if the economy collapses one day? What if the stock market crashes? What if this happens? I'm going to need this. And we have all of these fears that is keeping us from being generous. Because we're thinking to ourselves, I might need that one day. What if it's not enough? And as I was thinking about this, I began to think that this is one of the, I think this is one of the biggest lies that the devil uses to keep people from being generous. And that is that if I give, there won't be enough for me. I think this is true with, with anything. This is true with, with tithing. This is true with giving offerings. This is true with, with just helping people in general. We think, well, if, if I give, Pastor Jerry, there's, there's not going to be enough for me. And there's a fear that's there. And I think what God wants me to tell you and to teach us this morning is that when we always have this fear, we're never going to have the faith to trust God. And this is how we overcome greed. This is how we overcome fear, by trusting God. And I think, and I say this cautiously, but faith, there's always going to be a risk involved when you're using and exercising faith. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So if you have plenty, if you have extra, that doesn't require any faith to give. Does that make sense? Because the, the, the substance is there. The, the evidence is there. You have it. But the faith is the substance of things to hope for, the evidence of things not saying. There's times you just have to trust God and give. And faith, the Bible says, and I think it's Hebrews chapter 11, that, that, that faith is what pleases God. It's impossible, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Now, He's a rewarder to those who will diligently seek after Him. We have to have faith. That's just simply trusting God. I think it's very interesting. Don't, don't get any money out right now, but it's very interesting. When you pull out your, whether it's a, whether it's a bill or it's, or it's a coin currency, on our United States money says, in God we trust and I think that's very fitting because even right there on our money that we put a lot of trust in, our founding fathers and the people who implemented this and the people who established the, uh, the, the, the currency and things in America, they wanted us to know that, yeah, money may be how we, how we uh, buy things and how we sell things, and that may be what makes up our economy, but it's God where we are going to place our trust. And so I'm just going to tell you this morning, if generosity is not something that's, that's one of your strong suits, first of all, God wants us to be generous because He's a generous God and we're His children. But secondly, He's wanting us to trust Him. And, and I'm, I don't have time to teach this out, but, but God doesn't, it's not that God needs our money. 
God wants our heart. He's not wanting your money. He wants your heart. But our hearts are attached to our money. That's why Jesus teach, taught that um, no man can serve two masters. And he talks about you can't, you can't serve both God and, and money. But the original translation is God and mammon. And that mammon word, it's actually the spirit of, of, of wealth. It's the, it's, it's the spirit of possessions and, and money and materialism and, and always wanting more for yourself. God says if, if that's your mindset then you are, you are the God that you're serving. It's all about you. It's all about bettering your kingdom. I want you to serve me, and I need your heart. I need you to trust me. Here's a farmer that thought the exact same thing, that, you know, I can't give any of this away because, you know, what if next year's crop is not as good? I need to build bigger barns so I can store all this stuff. Now watch what happens. His, his mindset is, man, I have plenty. I, can, I have enough. I can retire. I, can, I have enough. I, you know, if I need to miss some work, I, I have got plenty. I'm just going to eat, drink, and be merry. I'm going to enjoy life. Watch what Jesus says in the very next verse. Verse number 20. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Watch this. Then who will get everything you work for. In other words, I think there's a principle here that your abundance of stuff doesn't assure you an abundance of time. Eventually, everything that you own is going to be owned by someone else. You, you've, heard the, you've heard many people teach this, that you, know, you can't take anything with you when you leave this earth. You hear a lot of preachers at a funeral, or not at a funeral, but a lot of times they'll say that, I've never seen a, uh, a hearse pulling a U-Haul. You, you, can't, you can't take it with you. Eventually, eventually, everything that you have worked so hard for is going to be in someone else's hands. Things that were once so precious to us and we, we were once so protective over, eventually someone else is going to own, or they're going to end up in a, in a scrapyard or junkyard somewhere. I, you know, I think it's kind of easy to understand that I, when, a, a prime example is when someone gets a new vehicle, you hadn't had a new vehicle in a while, whether it's you, I mean, it's still new to you, but it's, it's nice and it's clean. And, and uh, so you tell your kids, you know, they can't, they can't eat in your car, they can't drink drinks in your car. Some, of, some people even go as far as like, if you're going to ride in my car, you've got to take your shoes off because I just bought this car, it's brand new. And we, we treat it like it's so precious. And then you give it four or five months, maybe a year. And man, you got kids that are eating, you know, goldfish in the back. And you've, you're cleaning out your car one day and you find chicken nuggets from McDonald's. And you haven't eaten at, chicken, uh, eaten at McDonald's in months. And, and it's just, you know, you just, you don't trash your car, but you don't treat it near as precious as you once did. Why? Because the news worn off. And my point is that, that everything that we hold dear and precious to us, eventually it's going to lose its value. Eventually someone else is going to own it. Or eventually it's going to wind up in a scrapyard. And God is calling us to be generous, to not think of things and possessions, earthly things, as, as, as so important. But to put our treasures in heaven, to push things forward where we're going to spend eternity in heaven, to begin to store up treasures by giving and by being generous, by ministering to people and, and helping people in need and giving to the kingdom of God. That's what he's trying to teach us here. There is absolutely no security in your, in your possessions. 
I said this last week, you could, you could even have millions of dollars in the bank and you could feel pretty stable and pretty secure about that. But if or when the American dollar loses its value, you have nothing. You have nothing. Eventually, your stuff will be in the hands of others, not because you're generous, but because you're dead. It's all going to be someone else's stuff. That, that nice house that you live in, someone else is going to have that one day. That nice car that you're driving right now, someone else is going to have that one day. Those clothes that, that you've spent all that money on, someone else is going to have those one day, or they're going to wear out. My point is, is that you can, those are earthly things that we think are so precious and so valuable. And Jesus is trying to get our minds on, on more important things, on heavenly things. Verse number 21, Jesus says this. He says, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. So now, now watch this. Now, now God kind of puts this, this, this spin on this. We, we think about greed as wanting more uh, money. We think about greed as wanting more possessions. But Jesus is saying here, He says, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. So, so the principle here is that, that greed is not just about wanting more. Greed is about not having a rich relationship with God. It's not just wanting more stuff. It's about not thinking generously. It's about not having a rich relationship with God. You could say it like this, greed is not just about wanting more, it's also about not giving. When we're not giving, when we're not being generous, we're being greedy. Jesus shares another story, we're not going to go there, I'm going to kind of summarize this. In Luke chapter number 10, he shares the story of the Good Samaritan. Many of you know this, but just kind of, just kind of give you a brief overview of it. The Bible says there was a Jewish man, he was traveling down the road, and he was attacked by some bandits, some, some robbers. And they, they beat him up, they took all of his stuff, and they left him for dead. And it says that as he lay there dying, uh, there were a couple of people, actually three people that come by, they come by one at a time. The first one was a, a Levite, a temple assistant. He was going to he'd kind of be like a board member or a trustee or or a lead team member at a church. He was going to serve at the church. He, saw, he sees this man that's lying half dead, on the road, doesn't even acknowledge him, walks straight on by him thinking, I've got to get to church. I've got some work that needs to be done. Second person that comes by is a priest. He also is probably on his way to the temple. He's got some important things to do. You know, he's got to tell people about Jesus. And he walks by this, this man that's left there half dead and doesn't do anything to help and he just keeps on going. And then a third man comes by, and the Bible says he's a Samaritan. Now, there's, there's a lot more to this story than what I'm pointing out. But Jews and Samaritans, they, they didn't get along with one another. It'd be kind of like Republicans and Democrats today. I, anyway, um, but uh, he, he didn't, he didn't want to have anything to do with him, but yet his heart was to help this man. So he goes and he helps this man. And many of you know the story. He, he helps him. He, he treats his wounds. He takes him to the inn. He pays for his stay, and he tells the innkeeper, I've got to go out of town. When I come back, if this man's bill is, is higher than what I've already given you, I'm going to make it right. I'm going to take care of him. Now, the people that we would think are greedy in this story or the people that I thought would be greedy in this story, would have been the bandits who robbed this guy. They beat this guy up and they took everything that he had. They wanted more. They were greedy. I, I want what he has. They were greedy. They were envious. They were jealous. 
They took all these things. And in our minds, he would be greedy, and he was greedy, but the type of greed that Jesus focused on in this story was not those who were wanting more. Jesus focused on those who did not give. Those who did not help when it was in their means to be able to do so. His concern was the priest and the Levite who saw a need, but didn't do anything to help. Didn't do anything to give. You know, greed is, is one of the fruits or, or results of selfishness. It's not, a, it's, it's not a financial issue. We think about greed as a financial issue. It's not a financial issue. It's a heart issue. We're selfish. God doesn't come first. Self comes first. Selfishness means that it's all about me. Me, 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 me. Greed is not just about wanting more. It's about spending everything that you have on yourself. Living to please yourself. That's what, that's what God is teaching us. That's what Jesus is teaching us in this parable. He, he says that it's about not having a rich relationship with God. People are greedy because they don't have a rich relationship with God. The closer that we get to God, the more intimate relationship that we have with Jesus Christ, the more that we understand how He's forgiven us, the more we understand how much He loves us, the more we understand how generous He is to us, the more that we want to be generous to other people, the more that we're willing to forgive other people, the more that we're willing to act in, in, in acts of kindness towards other people, to love other people. Why? Because the Father is doing a work in our hearts and we want to reciprocate that to other people. Two last verses here, and I'm going to close with this. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 19. It says this, Such is the fate of all who are greedy for money. Look, at, look what being greedy for money does. What does the Bible say it does? I want you to think about that. Being greedy. Now here he's specifically talking about money. Wanting more. Wanting, wanting more money. Wanting wealth. Wanting more things. He says that kind of heart, that kind of attitude, those kind of behaviors will rob you of life. Think about this, about how people who work, 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 work. And yeah, they may be making more money, but their marriage is falling apart. They don't have relationships with their kids. They can't make their kids ball games. Can't make their kids cheer events. Can't make their kids band recitals. Because they're always work, work, work. And I know, I know you would combat that and say, well, I have to work so I can pay for, 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 my, for my mortgage. I have to work so I can give them this lifestyle. Listen, this, this goes back to what we talked about last week. We're, we're trying to maintain a lifestyle that, that really we were never called to maintain. We're, we're, trying to, to, we're trying to live up and, and compete with the Joneses and trying to keep up with them because, you know, that's what's in. That's what's hip. And we, we don't learn to be content and keep God first. And I've seen this right here over and over and over. People will work themselves to death and destroy their lives. And the Bible is trying to tell us here that when we're greedy, when, when we're consumed with earthly things and not heavenly things, we're not focusing on the things that God has for us, it will rob us of our lives. And then Proverbs 28 verse 25 says this, that greed causes fighting, a very similar verse. Greed causes fighting, but yet trusting in the Lord leads to prosperity. 
How does greed cause fighting? Once again, always wanting more, always chasing that dollar, always chasing, chasing you know, someone else's uh, lifestyle. You want that, you want this. And when you don't have that, it creates jealousy, it creates envy, it creates strife, it creates division. creates fighting. But trusting in the Lord leads to prosperity. And that word prosperity there is, is more than just being, more than just having money. Listen, money is not everything. It's about having peace in your marriage, having peace in your home, having a rich relationship with your children, having strong relationship with other people being the salt and light at your workplace and letting your light shine before men that they may see the, your good works and glorify God, our Heavenly Father. It's about that rich relationship with God. I'm trusting in the Lord. And as I trust in the Lord, I know that He is going to take care of me because I'm putting God first. I am honoring God with everything that I have. I honor God with my time. I honor God with my talents. I honor God with my treasures. I honor God with my life. And as you do that, the Bible tells us to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. And lean not into our own understanding and to acknowledge Him in all our, all our ways and He will direct our paths. He's going to take care of you. He's your Father. And He's a good, good Father, by the way. And He's a generous... We're going to talk about how generous that God is. He, the Bible says that He's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness through His Son, Jesus Christ. My God shall supply all of my need according to His riches. God's going to take care of you. You just got to trust Him. Just trust Him. I know it's very natural to want to look out for yourselves. I know it's very natural to want to put you first. And God is trying to tell us through this, through this series, not just today, but through this series on generosity, that we need to learn to trust Him. And I, the, the greatest way that we learn to trust God is by getting into His Word. You, your trust of God is never going to be greater than your knowledge of God. You, you, can't, you can't trust in a God that you don't know. You, you may say, oh yeah, I believe that, but deep down, you, you don't believe that because you don't, you don't know that. You need that, that no-so. You need that knowledge of Okay, right here, the, the Bible says me that, that I can do all things through Christ. The Bible says right here that He's going to take care of me. The Bible says right here that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. The Bible says right here that this is the God I serve. Not, not just a God that you hear about on Sunday morning. Not just a God that, that your parents have told you about. But you've got to get into the Word of God and know Him for yourself. And then as you become aware of who this God is, it's easy to trust Him. It's easy to trust you. The antidote for greed is generosity. You overcome greed by giving, by trusting God. Some of you here this morning, you may be thinking, well, Pastor, when, when God changes my heart toward giving, then I'll start, uh, then I'll begin to uh, uh, give. But, but you're looking at it the wrong way. God changes our hearts through our actions. By we, we just start trusting. We just start Giving. We, we start doing. We're not waiting for, for something to happen so we can give. We just start putting Him first with what we have. Putting Him first in, 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 in all things. And trusting Him. And as we do that, we're giving God access to our hearts. And God begins to do a great work 
I want to pray over you this morning. I know that, that many of you here today have, have come out to, to see your kids, your grandkids in a, in a Christmas, Christmas program. And, and, uh, and we've had fun with it. What, what an awesome job that they did. And, but, but let us never forget why we even have church in the first place. Why we're even here. We're here to honor God, the Creator the one who gave us life, the one who put us on this planet. You may say, well, well, well I'm here because of my parents. You, you may be here as a result of, of your parents, but ultimately it was God that gave you life. And He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. It doesn't matter what kind of a past that you lived. It doesn't matter how bad that you have, may have messed up in your life. It doesn't matter how, how much of a, a failure that you think that you are. Your, your heritage, your earthly heritage, your, your earthly DNA, that, those things don't matter. You may say, well, my, my dad was a, a, an alcoholic. My, you know, my mom was a, was a high school dropout. You know, the, we just don't have a lot of stuff in our family. Listen, those things don't matter to God. God loves you. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He has a calling for every single one of us in this room. He wants to use you to do exceedingly abundantly great things. But it all goes back to trust. You've got to trust that God has a plan for your life. That God loves you. The Bible says, I've already said it, but He loved the world so much that He gave His Son. That's what Christmas is all about. It's, it's not about the trees. It's not about the presents. It's not about the smoked ham. It's not about the pumpkin pie with Cool Whip. It's, it's not about those things. It's about God looking down. And you talk about generosity. God looked down at, at, at all of those who, has, who had wronged Him who had gone against him and, and wanted to become their, their own gods, in a sense. And he says, you know what? I still love them. And to show my love, to show how, how much I want to be with them, I'm going to give them my son. And if they'll just believe in me, I don't care what they've done, I don't care how bad they've abused uh, the gifts that I've given them, I don't care what kind of life they, they live, if they'll believe in my gift, they can have everlasting life. That Man, that is a generous God to give us His son. And maybe you're here this morning and, and uh, you don't have a relationship with the Father. Or maybe you once were, were faithful in your walk with God, but for whatever reason you've, you've turned away from that. You've kind of got in a, in a rut, if you will. You've stopped coming to church. You maybe stopped reading your Bible, stopped praying, and, and really you're more focused upon yourself right now than God. I'm here to tell you, God's not mad at you. He's not going to hold things against you. He's standing... He's standing with, with outstretched arms ready to receive you. All you got to do is call upon the name of the Lord. Ask Him to forgive you and just come home to the Father. And He's going to love you and He's going to give you life and fill you with joy and peace and rest. We serve a good, good Father this morning. And I want to pray over you this morning before we leave, and I want to give you an opportunity to, to respond to the message today. Father, I thank You so much, Lord, for, for Your Word, first of all. God, I thank You that we've had a, an opportunity to, to look into the Word of God today to, to learn about um, how You want us to, to be generous people, how You want to uh, bless us with joy, and how You want to express Your goodness to us, Father Lord, as, as we give to others. Your Word tells us that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And God, how much more that we feel of Your presence and we feel of, of Your generosity to us as we give to other people. 
And God, as I've taught on this this morning, God, I pray that, that you would help us to be um, people who are eternally mindful. God, help us to not think about ourselves and, and building our own kingdoms. God, but help us to think about you and your kingdom and putting you first in all things, to seek first your kingdom. Lord, I pray for, for those who may be struggling in this area. God, for those who are not generous, to those who, who are always thinking about how they can spend what they have and, and their possessions, how they can use it solely for them. God, I pray that you would give us a change of heart this morning to where we think about how I can use this to bless others, how I can use this to, to uh, make an impact and, and to minister to other people. How can I use what God has blessed me with to, to reach people for Christ and bring people into a relationship with Him? And God, I pray that if there's anyone that's in this room or anyone who will watch this online at a later time, God, who does not know You, who does not have that rich relationship with You, God, I pray that before the day is out, Lord, that they would acknowledge that they are a sinner who is in need of a Savior and that they would call upon the name of Jesus, the name that's given under heaven. There's no other name that's been given by which men can be saved but the name of Jesus. God, let them call upon Your name and ask You to forgive them of their sins and invite You into their life, God, so that they can be reconciled with You. And we thank You, God, for what You're going to do and how You're going to change people's lives today. We pray your blessings upon all of us. In Jesus' name, amen.